Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Thank you for this time. Thank you that we get to jump into your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, would you encourage us? Would you challenge us specifically? And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just do what it always does and speak to our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 3. That's where we're going to be tonight. Uh, We are uh, just trucking along here um, in this series and in this book of the Bible. And tonight we're going to cover verses 5 uh, to 17. And so Colossians 3, 5 to 17. If you're new here tonight, um, we're in this book, uh, which we have entitled Empty, and really using the idea that in and of ourselves and by ourselves, we are empty, that we have this emptiness in our hearts that uh, we have that we, we need to go to Christ in order to be filled. It says, I think, six times in the book that you would be filled in Christ. And so um, as we've walked through the book, there's been certain times and topics where we've talked about certain things, whether it be uh, relationships, it'd be living what God, living the way, sorry, that God wants you to live and doing kind of the right things. And tonight, what we are going to talk about and primarily, kind of like an overarching theme, is what you think about. What you think about. And uh, it's going to be a a few ways that we're going to play this out in the passage where what you think about yourself and what you think about God matters tremendously. Uh, It was A.W. Tozer who said, the first thing that comes into your mind when you think of God is the most important thing about you. Uh, They had just done a study recently that said 97% of people, people in general, would say they believe that God is loving and gracious and merciful. That's a lot of people. That's a big percentage, 97%. 19, 19% of people would believe that God is wrathful, that he has judgment and that he has wrath. So here's why that is important. If someone were to represent me, if someone were going to say, hey, let me tell you something about Mike. Some of you are giving me some big eyes right now. If someone were going to say, hey, let me tell you something about Mike. He is just so soft-spoken. He is, he is just so, I mean, when I talk to him, I mean, he just listens for about an hour. He hasn't said a word. And then they'll start to say certain things about me. And, and, and if it was inaccurate, hopefully, for those of you who would know me, you'd be like, hey, l- let me tell you something. That ain't true. Or if, they, or if someone were to say, man, I just never know what Mike is thinking. I don't know how he feels about things. I wonder, I just wish he would tell us. And then some of you would be like, well, just be around him for about three seconds and you'll know what he's thinking. Or even in a different way, I think one pastor put it this way. Uh, If I were to go home tonight and I were to walk into the door and I would see my wife and I'd walk up to her and I'd be like, Hope, you want to know what my favorite thing about you is? It's your blonde hair. Your blonde hair, I mean, it makes you look so gorgeous. And then if I was like, and on top of that, it says blue eyes. 
Man, those blue eyes. When I see those blue eyes, I'm smoked. It, I am so, you know, whatever. You fill in the blank. And then for those of you who don't know, my wife has brown hair and brown eyes. It would be inconsistent and it would be inaccurate uh, for me to say those things about her. And it's kind of cute and it makes a funny sense. But when we think about God, if we think something wrong about him, hopefully we would want to know. And if you are thinking wrong thoughts about yourself, hopefully you would want to know. What are the types of things that you think about? A lot of times there's this uh, big, I guess, teaching or idea going around right now, and there's such a balance to it, um, to where it's a self-help, self-motivating, self-image idea, where you would just tell yourself how great you are. Isn't that cool? Just driving around, you're like, man, lucky to have me on the team, right? You're talking about how beautiful you are, which in, in a way and in a realm, if you use scripture, if you use the Bible, you should tell yourself, hey, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Hey, in Christ, these are the things that I am, that you should think correctly about yourself. And in the same way, you should think correctly about God. But two questions I kind of want to pose before we start. If you could stop doing one thing, what would it be? Don't answer. Some of you guys are like, ah, uh, you know. <laughs> if you could stop doing one thing, what would it be? And not in a way that's like New Year's resolution way. Okay, so not in the sense of like you're putting it up there. Some of us, maybe you're getting ready. It's Ash Wednesday. You're getting ready to start Lent. That's pretty Catholic. But anyway, uh, you're starting your six weeks or 40 days preparing. You're saying, hey, I'm going to stop something. If you could stop something like that, what would it be? Would it be an action, would it be a belief, or would it be a way in which that you think? And then on the flip side, if you could start doing one thing, what would it be? If you could say, man, I would love, love to get to a point where I just read my Bible, like, I just want to start doing that. That's what I'm doing for Lent. I'm Ash Wednesday. I'm getting ready. I, I would like to read my Bible. Or you would say, man, I would just like to stop having bad conversations about other people. I would just like to stop gossiping. I always get caught in the crossfire. And next thing I know, I'm saying things I don't want to say. Well, what would it be if you could start something? It says in Colossians 3.2, it says to set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And so last week, Luke covered verses 1 to 4. And really, this, this whole idea, this whole chapter is really one big thought. He is saying, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And then he says a few other things, and he jumps into this idea of what we're going to talk tonight about more than you think. More than you think, or more than you could imagine in and of itself. And it says in Proverbs, or sorry, yeah, Proverbs 23, 7, old KJV style, as a man thinks, so he is. As a man thinks, or as you think, so you are. Your mind, your mind is truly incredible the way that it designs thoughts. And as thoughts start to take place in your mind, as uh, one man explained it to me, that um, in your brain, when you start to have certain thoughts about yourself, about God, and about other people, this is what it's like. If you were to walk out on your, uh, your, your grass or your, your yard or whatever, and you were to walk on the same path every single day to get the mail. If you'd walk out the front door, go down, get the mail, and come back, what would happen after five days, ten days, a hundred days? There would be a dirt path as grass is on both sides. It's a pathway. 
They say that your mind is, is the exact same way. Once you start to think a certain way, once you start to think a certain way, it becomes who you are, it becomes a reality to you. Now, what is tremendously important about tonight, there are things that you are believing that are not true. There are things that I believe that are not true. True, I mean, just a lie from the pit of hell, whether I heard them from someone else or I've made them up or truly the devil just fed them to me himself. It says in John chapter eight that the devil is the father of lies. And in your life and in my life, there are pathways or ways that we think that have defined who we are that just aren't true. And it's gonna sound like I'm gonna bring a lot of good news tonight, but that's not true. I'm gonna bring some bad news for a little bit uh, because you and I, you and I, this first really idea in Colossians uh, 3, you and I, we are more dangerous than we think. We are more dangerous than we think. This is what it says. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. So here's what he's saying for just a quick second in the first few verses. Put to death. You could not say something as the, the writer of this letter more aggressive than that. That he is saying you need to kill it, you need to slay it, you need to burn it, you need to bury it, you need to take it in the backyard, you need to get a gallon of gas, you need to dump it on the pile, you need to take the gas, you need to get a little strand going, don't do this, I've never done it, and then you light it and it'll, boom, what's it do? It burns it, right? He is saying, he is saying that you and I, you and I need to treat our sinful nature in the same way, in the same way that we would put it to death. I'll come back to this in a second. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. Just a thought here. It is so much easier, so much easier to hate other people's sin more than my own. I don't, when, when other people commit sexual immorality, other people are impure, other people have evil desires, they're idolatrous, they're gossips, they're angry, they're slanderers, whatever the case is, when other people sin, is that not so much easier to see? It's just easier to see. And I hate that more than I hate my own. I just don't like it. I'm like, and, and I can't, and, and here's how sin is so deceiving. It makes you feel as if you are superior to it. Like you kind of got it under control. You kind of got it in a good box. You kind of got it figured out. Or what sin will do and how, what Satan will lie to you is this. He will help you to believe that it's not, it's not that big of a deal. It's just not. That truly, you're not, you would say maybe, hey, when we talk about these sins and when it says sexual immorality, it truly just means God's design. You're going outside of God's design for sex, for sex that how he's designed it. Truly, the, the Greek word, if we want to use that, is pornea, which is where we get our word from pornography. That they would say, hey, put these things to death. And what we would believe is, hey, I'm not really that bad. I kind of got one foot in here, one foot in here. I'm not destroying my life but I'm not necessarily killing it either, but I feel like I can manage it. I feel like I got it in a good spot. He says, 
on account of these, the wrath of God is coming in which you two once walked, but now you must put them all away. And he doesn't hold it back. He kind of just gets the list. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. So, Here's what I just want us, hopefully, help us to, to think this way. Hopefully, it's, you know, we'll, we'll get to some good news here in a minute. You are, and I am, more dangerous than we think. Truly, truly, we, we are either in two camps tonight, according to Colossians 2, 13 and Colossians 3, 5. We are either dead in sin or we are dead to sin. That sin either owns us or we are actively attacking it. It is active, and once, and once it becomes passive, once it becomes, hey, I'm not concerned about it, that's when it truly, as one writer wrote, it really, that's when it starts to hook us. Yeah, I mean, welcome to Thrive, man. Like, happy, Merry Christmas, Christmas is gone. Whatever, Valentine's Day, whatever it is, the love. It truly is a scary thought. It's a scary thought to believe, to believe that I can handle this. You and I, you and I, cannot, cannot manage ourselves. You can't manage you. You just can't. Once you believe the lie or the thought, and this is like a daily, daily grind, or as the Holy Spirit brings it up, once you start to have the thought, either it's these two sides. Hey, it's really not that big of a deal. Hey, it's just, it's just not that big of a deal. I've seen it destroy other people's lives, but I got this, I got this managed, or, or once you would say, hey, I don't really need to tell anybody, and it's really not that big a deal. You and I are truly, truly wicked people at the core. Every desire you have ever had is, is probably with wrong motives. Every thought that we've had is probably somehow tied to our sinful nature. Everything that you and I have, that we bring to the table with God, he has to redeem it from top to bottom top to bottom. So he says, put to death, put it to death. And so I got uh, an illustration. I don't know how this is going to go, but I got this shovel. Some of you have never seen one of these before. Uh, You've never used one. You don't know how to use one. Actually, let's take a, no, take a survey. Uh, Everyone's lying in here. Um, No, but when you bury something, when you bury something, hopefully when you do it, depending on how it starts, what you, you jump on this sucker, I'm not going to do it because I'll break it, it's concrete, you know, whatever, you jump on it and you'll start to dig. And initially when you start to dig, the first couple times, it's not that hard. I mean, depending on how cold it is or ice or whatever, but let's just say summertime, I've dug a few, I've dug a few trenches and even this past summer, the first couple times it's like, hey, I got this, this is cake. But then the deeper you get, the deeper you get, the harder it gets. The more difficult it is to dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And the, and the, the, the more you're willing to dig with your sin, if we stay on this illustration, the more you're willing to bury it, to put it to death, to burn it, to light it on fire, to dig it in a hole, put it in the back, never find it again, never see it again, make sure no one allows you to go toward it again, the more likely the more likely you are able to walk and put off the old self. But the more that we just kind of dig it a little bit, it's, it's, it's only a couple inches, and it's like, ah, this is fine. We play a game with ourselves, thinking that if I don't dig deep enough, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it to death, but I'm really not putting it to death. You and I are truly, truly 
more dangerous than we think. And when it says, do not, go back to verse, uh, I think it's 10, or it's verse 9, verses 5 to 9, the first part, thank you. It says, do not lie to one another. I think it's in this context because when someone will say, hey man, how big of a deal is this addiction? Ah, it's not that bad. Now, I, I don't, I, I'm, you know, and how you'll start your confession is, hey, I'm telling you, not because I think it's a big deal, but just because I probably should tell someone. Hey, I'm, I'm letting you know because, you know, they say accountability and stuff like that, and, I, you know, it kind of says this and, and this and that. I'd rather just tell someone, he's saying, hey, just quit lying. Just quit lying. You are the biggest liar you know. So am I. I'm the biggest liar I know. And he, we lie twofold. We lie to ourselves. You tell yourself that you got it figured out. It's, it's really, I know other people have fallen in this area. I know it's a bigger sin for other people. But for me, I, don't f- I feel like I can manage this. And then we lie to other people. Hey, it's just, we just play it down a little bit. Now, what I don't want to do tonight is for you to be like, man, I don't know what I got to do. I got to go to a counselor or something. Because that was like, I, I, I feel like I'm going to ruin my life. But you should be asking yourself the question and hopefully saying, man, where in my life Am I just lying to myself? Where in my life am I lying to other people thinking that I got sin figured out because history would show, the Bible would show, and your life would show sin will eat you up. It will just eat you up. And then it leaves ruins. Then we're kind of like, how did that happen? We are more dangerous than we think. Are you guys ready for some good news? Uh, Verse 10, we're going there. Jesus is better than we think. Jesus is better than we think and have put on the new self. So real quick, when it's saying put off, put on, um, it's referring to the analogy or the word as clothes, like putting on new clothes, taking off old clothes, putting on new things. He's saying, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Could talk a ton about that. Here there is not, this is so huge, Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So when I say Jesus is better than you think, you have this perceived idea in your mind and in your thoughts that God is not that good because you think you can tap into God's mind and heart and you and I treat people differently. Okay, whether it's different cultures, different contexts, different personalities, whether they're from, you know, wherever the case may be. And we start to love people for maybe a a missions trip, maybe when they came over for dinner, but then after a while, what happens? I am annoyed. Why do they move so slow? Why is he talking so much? Why is this so relational? I'm like, what are we doing here, right? And then I'll start to think, man, well, maybe God's that way with me. Maybe God is that way. Is Jesus the same way with me? Is he just get frustrated after a certain time? Literally, this passage is talking about, man, I wish we could talk a ton about this, a whole night on these two. Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, Christ is all and in all. So what he is saying is this, all racial barriers are destroyed in Christ. Literally destroys them. And he treats Every single racial, economic, any time a culture, personality, person, you name it, you pick it, he treats them equally, equally with his love, which is mind-blowing. We can't even tap into that. 
we've tried, we do try, but the way that it makes me think that how much God loves other people, he does not get frustrated, he's not annoyed, he's not thinking that they would finally start to think their way, or, or his way, or in their culture, in this culture, in this idea, all racial barriers are destroyed in Christ. Jesus does this. He meets people where they are, how they are, no matter what they've done or look like. No matter what. You name it, you pick the case, you pick the scenario. Anytime uh, I'm trying to talk with someone about um, how we're all sinners equally at the foot of the cross. Someone will always bring up their family member, a case they've seen in the news or something they've seen on social media, they'll want to say, well, definitely God doesn't love this person equally. And I'll say, yes, he does. That God truly reaches over barriers and walls and loving people, meeting people where they are. This should get you hyped because he did so for you. And he's constantly doing it. It's active. It is not a one-time check off the list. God's like, well, I died for them which should be enough, amen? And he says, no, 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 I'm going to actively pursue. I'm going to actively communicate. I'm gonna actively tap into their heart and their mind. Jesus is way better than you could possibly imagine. If you have thoughts in your mind about God thinking, man, there's no way he could love me after I've done this. How many times have I come back to him frustrated, discontent, angry at him? There's no way. Every time God just sits there, it says in uh, Romans 11, he holds out his hands all day long. I mean, that kind of love is unfathomable. We can't, we don't even have a, have a category for it. Jesus is better than you think. And number three, community is more important than you think. And you're like, oh, great, the community stuff. So anyway, put on then as God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved, and uh, right before, just a total rabbit trail, when it says Jew and Greek, barbarian, Scythian, he is saying how God chooses and allows all people into his kingdom. God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. So these are things we're putting on. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one another has a, a complaint against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Man, I, this is tough. So you must also, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. It goes on to, I think the next slide is the next verse. Uh, one second, I just want to say something. In 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about how the three, three greatest things in someone's life or that they possess when they follow God is faith, Hope and what? Love. Yeah, you guys knew that one. Love. And the greatest of these is what? Love. Yeah, so he's saying that love truly, it binds everything together. He's saying, put these things on. And when he's talking about if anyone has a complaint against you, I mean, how many people complain about me? One? Okay, we got one person who's verbal. Hey, honesty is the best policy. I like, he ain't lying to no one. How, how many people got complaints about me? It, I mean, that, that, seriously, I feel like, oh, let's just think about that for a second. What just happened here? <laughs> no, I mean, it's, 
it's true that there are people who are like, man, he just, he don't sit in a conversation for like 30 seconds. You're like, I've tried to talk to him. Like, he's kind of loud sometimes. And some people, you're thinking like, man, well, what if, I didn't think about that. People complain about me. So they're saying if someone has a complaint against someone else, forgive them. Don't hold a grudge. I mean, that passage, honestly, we could do five weeks of series on this sucker. That truly, if you work it out, it's saying, it's talking about these relationships. Everything that's broken down, it's, community is more important than you think. Let me finish this up. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Rule truly means a kingdom set up in your heart. Ruling like a king would rule in its day. Peace in your heart, to which indeed you are called into one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns. Why don't we sing a, song, a hymn in a while, Ethan? And spiritual songs, I'm kidding, uh, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so here, here's how we're going to talk about this real quick. Community is more important than you think. Because community is frustrating, it's hard, it's being vulnerable, right? There's different people with different personalities, different school backgrounds. There, some of you get frustrated by people with a low IQ level. You're kind of like, man, they just, they're dumb. They're dumb. I want people who are smart. You know, you're kind of like, I want to be someone someday. I don't want to hang around these scrubs, you know? You're, you're thinking that, and community, it's just, it's just frustrating, and when he is saying these things, I think you and I have to ask this question. Is there, man, you guys are laughing because it's so true. You're like, man, I went to grad school. I'm going to grad school. I'm not trying to hang around people with these GED. You know, you're trying, you're, you're frustrated. You're frustrated. Is there a group of people where this, where, in, in my life where this happens? So I'm not, we're not signing up for small groups tonight. We're not pitching mentoring. We're not pitching these new things. But here's what I would say. You in this room, you, you, are, you are adults. Mom and dad can't twist you to join a small group. That I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. No one's going to force you to do something. No one's going to force you to join a community or friends. But you have to decide. You have to decide. Where am I going to put myself in my life where those things can take place? Where I can have meekness, where I can put on love, where I can forgive, where the word of God is taught, where I have relationships where, hey, this is kind of hard. Hey, this is good, but this is really hard. Hey, this is good. This is difficult. I don't want to go, but I need to go. And then when I leave, uh, I've went six weeks in a row, and two of them is like, man, I really needed them. But the other four, man, maybe someone needed me there. It's not all about consuming. It's not all about just consuming. Total side note, I'm, all these side notes tonight. I'm, in two weeks, we're going to do a series on spiritual gifts uh, called You Are Gifted. And I am so amped. I might I close up Colossians tomorrow. I'm, I'm kind of ready for that one. Anyway, six weeks uh, talking about from consuming to producing spiritual gifts. Total rabbit trail. Anyway, um, where are we? Community is more important than you think. And this last thought, and this one I think is serious, that if you are not getting along, or if I'm not getting along with others, chances are I'm not getting along with God. I'm not getting along with God. If the church, if the people of God are always frustrating to me, always annoying to me, I always feel like they should change, they should measure up, they should do something, chances are, chances are that God's kind of like, who are you? Who are you 
man, you're not even going to like heaven. All the people you don't like will be there. <laughs> All the people you don't, you, that you hate right now, that you, you gossip about, you're bitter about, they're going to be there. And so not to give it, like I said, not to guilt trip you into like opening up, getting in a small group, but to truly think, man, if I just don't get, if there are people in my life where I don't play well with others, ever since you were little, you don't play well with others, sporting events and teams and everyone was always their fault and you always, you're always the victim, all these things. These are truly set your mind on things above. I think these are thought patterns that you have developed over years in your life. You've just developed them and you start to believe lies and you think everyone's just talking smack about you and they don't even know your name. They're not talking about you. If you don't get along with others, chances are I'm not getting along with God. And lastly is Jesus wants to be involved more than we think. So we have talked about this idea a few times that Jesus is the center of our life. He's not the first rung. He's not number, he's not even the top one. Like we talked about being top, but in my life, he's everything. He wants to be more involved than I think. And whatever you do, man, what is whatever? <laughs> if I'm going here, I'm going to my girlfriend's house, I'm going to my boyfriend's house, I'm going to my parents' house, we're going over here, I'm going to school, I'm going to work, I'm going to my friend's house on Friday night, I'm going to the gas station, I'm going to this, whatever you do, whatever, you fill in the blank, it doesn't matter. In word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. When it says in word and deed, this is what it means that what you say and what you do would be consistent. That you're not one way uh, at church on Wednesday night or Sunday morning, and you don't shift and become a different person at a different time. In word and in deed. So no matter what I say or what I do, it would all be in the same realm. Because this is true how some of us forget this. And these are things that maybe, maybe lies you would believe and things you've thought about God that are not rooted in the word of God. But God sees all and knows all. He sees all and he knows all. He knows everything that's going on in your life. He knows every minor detail. He knows every major event. The future, the future is not a place that God has not been. It is where he is at. He already, he already knows where you're going to be in five years. You're, you're praying, you're thinking about things, thinking, man, I wonder if God has this. I wonder if he sees this. I wonder if he knows this. The future is where he is at. That blows my mind. It's outside of my thought. He wants to be involved more than we think because he can see the future. He can see it. He's already there. He's already at your wedding day. Believe it or not, he's there. Some of you are like, when's that at? 20 years. We'll see. He's already there, and he is trying to guide us. He's saying, hey, Take this step. Take this step. Hey, bring me into this situation. Hey, bring me into this situation. And it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, whatever you do, whether you're eating, I don't know, what do you eat? Pizza? 
Chipotle, Chick-fil-A, I don't know, cereal, whatever you're eating tonight, whatever you're drinking, hopefully uh, it's the right stuff you're drinking, your water, Gatorade, or some of you guys like, say it, say it. No, I'm not going to say it. But you, whatever you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. And why does that matter in this context? Go back to verse 13, uh, right before 16, yeah, right here. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Because when you start, and it said in verse 15 as well, be thankful. When you and I start to be thankful for where God have, has us, we will stop resenting where he has sent us. We'll stop resenting, God, why have you brought me here? Why have you put me here? Why is this going on? Why has this not happened yet? We'll start to say, God, thank you for where you've brought me. Because for some of us, you have set your mind in things that are destructive. You have started to believe the lie. You have started to believe whatever lie is in your mind, whether that God hates you, he's frustrated with you, he's angry with you, he, he thinks you can't do this and you won't do this and this finally won't show up. You start to believe lies about yourself from God. And maybe the first lie you started to believe is that, man, you, you truly are a really good person overall. You're just a good moral person. And maybe tonight for the first time you've heard or in the Bible where it says, no, you're, you're truly not. You are more dangerous than you think. Or maybe you've never heard of the idea that Jesus is better than we think. That he offers us something more than, than, than you could ever get and gives us peace and freedom in Christ. Or maybe the third one, we talked about community and you said, man, I, I don't like people. I just don't like them that much. I don't want to practice all these things in unity. I'm really not about it. It's not, it's not beneficial for me. Maybe you've got to change the way you think about that. And maybe lastly, Jesus wants to be involved. And my question is this. What area in your life would you say, I have compartmentalized God. And I've said, God, you can have all of this stuff. Man, you can have my future, you can have my Monday to Saturday, you can have uh, my mornings, you can have my job, but this thing right here, it's just never going away. I will, I will worship you in word, but not in deed in this area. And as we close up, what I would like to do, go back to uh, the first, we are more dangerous than we think. There's verse seven um, in there, and it says this, <clears throat> In these you too once walked when you were living in them. And what happens to us, whether, you know, if you're pre predominantly, pre you, or most of us were probably Christians, where you would say, hey, I've heard stuff like this my whole life. Yeah, I know, I'm a sinner. I know, Jesus is better. I know, but I still, I, I hate other people's sin more than I hate my own. And what happens is this, we tend to forget. We just tend to forget. And one of the things that we used to do years, years and years ago, I'm not that old, but for you, years and years ago, is we would have a camp, and then at the end of camp on, the, on a Friday night, we would have what would be called cardboard testimonies. Raise your hand if you ever heard of a cardboard testimony. Sweet. This, I'm so glad it was like four of you. I was banking on that. So anyway, this is new for a lot of you. Um, what we would do is we would put on one side of the cardboard what was true of us before Christ. A slave to sin. A slave to sin. It is an easy way to communicate, man, my life, my life before Christ, man, if I, if I could tell you the bondage, the guilt, 
the, the chains I felt by alcohol, by, I mean, just the, the anger that was in my heart, the bitterness in my heart. I thought that God hated me. I thought God was distant from me. I thought he didn't love any part of me. I would get so mad at him. I was a slave to sin. This was my life before Christ in a simple, simple phrase. And they would walk up, we'd walk up, you'd hold this up, and it was so easy to communicate your story without talking because everyone just gets so scared of, how, how do I say this, God? I, I'm not a good communicator. I don't like talking to people. I can't talk in front of people. And we'd bring these students up on stage and they'd go like this. And then what they would do is they'd flip it over. Set free by Christ. That in these, I too once walked. And then when we would flip it over, the place would just erupt. People would walk up, it would say, dead in sin, alive in Christ. Someone would walk up, alcohol, alcoholism, drinking every day, they'd flip it over and it would say, my identity is in Christ, I am made new in Christ. It was a way to personalize your story. It was a way to simply say, hey, a slave to sin, set free by Christ. And so what I would like to do as a way to not just, not just hear a message and maybe you think differently and hope, hopefully you do live differently, but I would like to do a little challenge, a little social media challenge where if you would be willing and bold enough to where you would put on your Instagram or whatever pl- you know, platform you're on and it would have the front side of your cardboard testimony. It would say, man, this is what God has done in my life. And then you'd flip it over and you'd have another one saying, but this is who I am in Christ. It would be personalized. It would be just for you. And so what, are, what we are going to do, I'm going to show a quick uh, two or three minute video to kind of give you some examples of that. And then Ethan's going to come uh, lead, us, lead us. 